Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Andrew. And I'm Emily. And today we're going to talk about all of the things. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. No, no, just all of the things. All of the things. But that is a lot of stuff. Yeah. Anyways. God, so disagreeable. I know. I'm such a pain. Mm. Aren't we all pains this time of year? It's easy to get grumpy, I think. Nah. Well, welcome to uh, winter in the Pacific Northwest where the, sh- the sun shines for um, about five hours a week. <laughs> it feels like that sometimes. I don't, I don't, I don't mind it as much now that I work from home next to an enormous window, but that's not, but this week with the, the, it's Thanksgiving week and with the, the long weekend, it's been a little bit of like, it's already it's already dark out right it makes me feel like the vacation is not going on as long yeah it's definitely i don't know it feels like it sucked the life out of me a little bit i'm a little particularly exhausted and ready for summer again and it's only uh it's i mean it's already december so we're like halfway through it but still yes about 20 days until the um solstice half yep so, so I think twenty is exactly but, until the solstice from when we're recording this. So yeah. it's just gonna it's just gonna get brighter from there on out. Yay! Yeah. Well, I'd like to all uh, before we get too far in this episode, want to throw a shout out to my wife's uncle Mike for listening to the show. You rock, and thank you for being supportive. That's so nice when your family members listen to your podcast. Hey, mom, if you're listening, right. send me a text. <laughs> So, no, yeah, uh, I sat down uh, for family dinner and we were about, um, or for family Thanksgiving dinner, we were about halfway through and topic of conversation just came up. He's like, oh, by the way, I listened to an episode of your podcast. And I. So the one where I had to bleep you out saying bleep you when you said the F word. Uh, Probably. (laughs) Um, No, I I turned uh, a a very bright shade of red and uh, I'm very thankful. So I'm always thankful for public embarrassment. Yeah, that's always good. (laughs) Yeah, you had a good Thanksgiving? I did have a good Thanksgiving. There was lots of turkey, lots of gravy. Uh, I contributed the stuffing, and people went back for seconds, so I know it wasn't that bad. Did you stuff it in the bird? No, no, no. Then it's not stuffing, it's dressing. Oh, for goodness sake, it's stuffing. No, it's not stuffing when it's not stuffed. Why does that matter? I was I cooked it with bird juices. It's called stuffing when it's stuffed. It's called dressing when it's on the side. Well, uh, you. It's, that's why they say that's why they say turkey and all the dressings. I am sure that you are technically correct, and frankly, I don't care. Uh, all right, we're just gonna we're just really just we're just mad at each other. It sounds like, but we're not really mad at each other, dear listeners. We're just both grumpy at everything else. Yeah, there's just some things that are worth fighting about. Uh, that's not one of them. No, that's semantics at best. Yeah, at best. Oh, I have some fun things coming up this week. Hit me. Like, not actually, but... I, well, I can't. Just reach to the screen and grab you by the neck. No, uh, I'm going to Brooklyn. I'm going to see the Hold Steady for their Massive Night series. Yay! Yeah, I'm really excited to see the guys again. I wasn't planning on going... Um, I thought something kind of special was going to work out around the whole being in New York at the same time. 
but that just didn't, it didn't come together yet. So hopefully in the future I'll have, I'll be able to, um, do the thing that I was thinking about doing. I know that's vague as hell, but, um, yeah, I think that there are going to be some, some bigger things. Really the, one of the reasons I booked the trip, but, uh, staying with some friends, the whole city crew is always great. And, uh, got a really good location close to the venue, close to the bar that the drummer owns. And, uh, I'm just really thankful that I get to work remote and, uh, We'll be doing so. I don't. I don't take enough advantage of being able to work from anywhere. Yeah, I feel like if I could work from home all the time, I, I would like to think I would travel more. Yeah, I mean, I've I have been traveling more. Um, I I I told my mom I was going to Brooklyn, and I think that she. I mean, I am kind of doing a little. Va- it's like a little bit of a vacation, but I'm. I mean, I'm still working. It's not like I'm taking a week and going to Brooklyn and taking all my vacation time. You're going but. to Brooklyn. Going to Brooklyn. I haven't been since 2012 and I'm sure it's way different since I lived there in 2009. I have never been to New York. What? Uh, You've been everywhere else. I, 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 so this is a conversation I was having the other day and I, I think I was realizing I've been to more big cities outside of the u.s than i have been to big cities in the u.s well that's not a bad thing but there's so much cool stuff to see and there is in america i probably won't do, i probably won't do anything too touristy but i am absolutely gonna have some of that special sauce from the calexico restaurant gonna try to maybe re i'm the i'm the worst about like trips sneaking up on me and then me texting somebody like hey i'm gonna be in your town like tomorrow Oh, through like yeah, the next three days I, you want to hang out <laughs> i totally do that oh i'm the queen of it and i don't i don't feel offended if people are like what the hell of course not like i well I, of course i would want to see you but good god emily i make plans i'm an adult I'm like well i guess i'm not yep no they don't say that nobody says that but i know that they think it no yeah like right before i went to san francisco i was on the phone with somebody i was like oh yeah by the way i'm in your neighborhood like next week you want to hang out <laughs> oh man i think i was like on the plane on the way to nashville the last time i was like oh free messaging oh hey people i used to be roommates with you want to come out to see my show oh yikes i'm the worst and then i was not offended when most people did not even respond to me because i get it that's fair i mean i don't expect that's people fine. to respond to me no matter how much lead time i give them but I also just know that people hate me. Well, I feel like if I give them some lead time, I can at least follow up because I know half the time I get a text message, I accidentally open it. I'm like, I'll get to that later. And then I forget about it. And it's not that I don't like that person. I'm just like a mess. (laughs) The flip side is there's nothing quite as awkward as like, like, Hey, come to my show. Hey, come to my show. Hey, you're going to come to my show. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, I invite everybody I know to every show I ever have, and none of them ever come, so that's yeah. also fine, because, you know, that's alright. I should probably do more to reach out to people individually. But the thing is, when I have a show, I'm like, oh, this is a good opportunity to reach out to people. And then <laughs> I think they just feel like uh, it's more nefarious than it is. 
Well, speaking of traveling to big cities, I've got a uh, an announcement I would like to make official. Insert drum roll. Actually, hold on one second. Let me see. This is work. No, that was the wrong. No, nope, that drum. was that was the wrong thing. <laughs> that was the wrong kind of drum. I didn't even know that you had those loaded in there. Try this one. That was in stereo. Did you hear that? Yeah that <laughs> that was kind of freaky. I, I don't know. Unexpected. How... I was like, wow, I feel dizzy now. What the heck? <laughs> I this should. Episode I should... of CSI New York. Of CSI Anaheim. CSI Anaheim. Yeah. Okay, you can stop that now. It's really. I thought it was going to stop on its own like the other ones. And it didn't. No, that was super creepy. I feel like that, that should have been like part of a crew crime, like true crime. Um, like, <laughs> crew crime. <laughs> <laughs> some sort of AI and, like discovering that the daughter had been kidnapped or something like that. I don't know. Anyways. So next um, on Investigation Discovery, where's Andrew going? <laughs> enough dragging out my big announcement. I bought plane tickets to Anaheim. Anaheim, why? Because I'm going to Nam. What? I'm not. I'm jealous. <laughs> how the turntables. Uh, how the tables turn. Yep. How the so ta- turn tides. I plan on going to Nam. I've got the time off from work approved, and I've got my plane tickets. Uh, so, yeah. You're I, going. You're I'll doing it. You need to get I'm your going. pass. Yeah, I, I mean, I need to sort out the finalize that, but I mean, that's not like it's a huge barrier to hurdle as compared to like sorting out the cash monies for the trip. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you'll be fine. Just talk to some of our mutual friends and I'm sure you can get the hookup. Yeah, who wants to give me a pass? <laughs> I'll give you a sticker. Do you still have some stickers? Because you might need to come pick some up. Uh, I've got a stack of stickers on my desk. Good. Yeah. Good, good. I keep ordering more. I just, I got, a, I think another batch of 50. I, I keep, uh, restraining myself from like posting up in random places in public. Oh, I've, I've just, I've been meaning to do more of it, more of that exactly. And, uh, I've been a little forgetful, but I've been putting them up in like green rooms lately. Oh, that's fun. I'll be at the same five green rooms. I put one in the green room. Where there is, I, I played a show the other night, and the green, the couch in the green room, uh, was there's a sign next that said, "This sofa was featured in the 1998 season of The Real World Seattle." I'm like, I, I will stand. Thanks, I'm not sitting on that sofa. I would have fallen asleep on that sofa. Ew, dude, so many people have smashed on that sofa. Don't, don't sit on that sofa. That's not clean. You can't get that out of that sofa. I think you underestimate how recently I went to college and how unafraid I am of these things. Dude, no. Like, oh, God. Okay, poll. Is Andrew disgusting or am I being uppity? Uh, both. Both. That, that's, that's the honest answer. That is the honest answer, I'm sure. Honey badger don't care. Honey badger don't give a bleep. Nice. Yeah, so that's my so we both have big uh, travel plans. Yeah, I'm I'm traveling to yet another big city that I've already been to and lived in. <laughs> oh man, maybe, maybe you should go to Nashville next year. I I definitely want to, but I think I've got a I'm taking three days off of PTO for Nam, and I only get so many days of PTO a mm-hmm. year. So chances are decent. 
that I can't do both. That is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to the big one in the city where I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. And I also have friends that I can stay with for free. I mean, Nashville, you could just go for the Saturday. I could. And I and I might. Yeah. We'll see how things are going then. Yeah. It's it's so small, you know. It's small comparatively, I hear. And I can only imagine. Right, right, right. Right, right, right. Well, we got a bunch of stuff and things to talk about, but first I want to give a shout out to our sponsors for this episode. Heck yeah. Our first sponsor this episode is Greer Amplification. Um, what, what? I I think Nick Greer is just one of the sweetest sweethearts in the business. I think he makes great, great amps. Um, and he has this really cool line of pedals. And uh, I was sent their Gorilla Warfare to demo. Um, I did a couple demos on that. I did one through my Milkman, the amp, which just sounds raw as hell. And then I did another one through um, all the, the, the amps in the Strymon Iridium. Uh, but it's basically, it's it's their take on a rat with the famous LM308 chip. Whatever that means. You don't know, LM308 is the op-amp chip that made the rat what it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, yes, that's my understanding of it. No. So they, yeah, so that, I have um, two demos of that out. And it's also going to be featured in a demo um, filmed, up, an upcoming demo that's going to be basically a shootout between my three rat style pedals and uh, a baritone guitar. And it's, I've been sh like thinking about that guitar tone from motion sickness by Phoebe Bridgers for like a year now. And I was like, I just can't, I just can't figure it out. And then I realized it's just that it's a baritone guitar through a rat or something like it. It's like, Oh yeah, that sounds awesome. Rat is just incredible. And I got to say rat rat, style distortions are my favorite distortions mm -hmm. i hope you're not offended that i didn't want to drive all the way to mercer island twice to borrow one from you no well, that's fine it's I not that care. stuff it's not that it's it's not that it's far it's just that it would be so many trips right right no i don't blame you I don't care. It means I didn't have to pull it off my board that's sitting right behind me. Yeah. And then I ended up losing the loop that I had made and didn't really want to. I wanted it to be as similar as it could between the three pedals. So I'd already filmed three. I was like, oh, maybe I could do like five or six instead of just three. And uh, lost the loop and thought, you know what? I think this video is fine at the length that it's currently at. So well, there you go. That'll be released in the coming weeks. We'll talk about that later. Well, uh, the other sponsor is one of your personal favorites, Andrew. Heck yeah. Boss. Boss is boss. I mean, what a boss name for starters. Indeed. I could. I, no, none bosser. None names bosser. None the more bosser. None more boss. Hashtag like, like a boss. Like a boss. Yes. Uh, our um, demos are basically powered by their um, RC-10R these days. Yep. That looper. Whew, that looper is freaking awesome. I can't wait to... I have to sit down with it more, but I'm going to be filming a full demo with that, which will be different for me because obviously I can't just put a camera on it and turn knobs while it happens. I, 
I'm going to be talking through it and explaining how it works and it'll be it'll be a more uh, traditional style demo, I think. You talking in a demo? Yeah, other than talking in a demo that's not a guitar demo. Amazing. I just figured out how to sync right. two videos, so I think it's possible now. <laughs> oh snap. Things are changing. Things are changing. I'm getting better at video editing. Uh, go buy a boss pedal if you don't own one and or have never owned one because, quite frankly, if you don't have one of those in your arsenal, I don't know what you're doing. It's like it's like basic-ish, y'all. Buy my AC2 so do- or buy um, BD2. There is literally something for everyone. There's no reason not to have one. And for anyone who tries to get all uppity about, you know, it's a boss. First of all, you're wrong. Second of all, Prince used them. If they're so good enough for I, Prince, like, I mean, come on. If, and his tone was killer. Yeah. So literally no excuses. You're just doing it wrong. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it's good. It's not like Prince was playing $500 pedals. He was playing boss pedals, which were cutting edge at the time. Sure. Sure no. Um, but like he played boss pedals, he had a whammy pedal, uh, I, I, he had um, like the line six modulation station that was kind of like the DL4, but for modulators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he had like a Vox Wah, like he didn't have the fanciest of fancy stuff. He just had, his guitar <laughs> was were all handmade, <laughs> like don't get me wrong, those were nice guitars, but yeah, he just had what he needed. And it was, again, like, I, yeah, okay, we're getting away from it, but. Yep, I knew that was going to happen the moment I said Prince. You should. You should know better. Well, yep. Yeah. Anyways, so to not mince words, go buy Boss, uh, go buy Greer, and uh, yeah. Yeah, go that, buy Greer that's pedals pretty straightforward. and amps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty, pretty it's the best advice I can yeah. give. Yeah, support. Tell them tell them that y- y- you heard about them through us. If you, if you heard about Boss pedals through us, Wow. I think you're so pure and wonderful, and I feel so honored to be <laughs> the person introducing any human being to boss pedals. <laughs> to everyone else, you know, you know, you know what we're talking about. Neat. So, Andrew, you had topic ideas for today. I do. So I've got, uh, I've got three main lines of thought uh, in terms of topics. So we're going to go over some. Uh, a little bit of some news and not just to, to retell some news stories, but I want to share some takes that I've got. I want to hear your takes on it. And I think the news bits that I've got today are noteworthy and worth paying attention to. I, I agree on them. Some of them I'm a little less familiar with. Well, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um. Well, so That's here we seven. go. Yeah. Uh, topic number one, Rosewood, uh, limitations from uh, sites have been uh, sorry sites restrictions on rosewood and other endangered wood species have been lifted specifically for musical instruments mm-hmm. as of uh, like a week or two ago wow, so that's, that's the official announcement it's been lifted that's going to change a lot um, makes me feel a little bit better that I didn't um, buy a guitar to hold on to um, a couple years ago I was looking at buying uh, a fender telecaster the made in america with the all rosewood neck gorgeous guitar and i love the way that an all rosewood neck feels and i was thinking about getting it just to hold on to for a couple of decades and wait for rosewood to get super super rare and then sell it the idea that would go for a premium rude 
So I didn't do it, and I'm feeling a little bit better about that now, given that the restrictions are lifted up and it looks like will be for good, according to what I've read and heard and seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't, I mean, okay, so I, I mean, I have some feelings on it uh, that are maybe a little bit less informed. It's my general understanding that the ban started in a large part because someone bought up just a ton of Indian rosewood at once. Is that right? That I don't know. I, I do that. know that the original intention of the ban was for uh, furniture makers. So we're looking at folks who are using way more of this stuff. I mean, for for luthiers, you're looking at a fingerboard and for acoustic guitar. Occasionally a neck. Occasionally a neck. Occasionally a neck, but I mean, for the most part, pretty limited. We're looking at just a little bit of timber per each instrument. And the admittedly, the, the limitations for use of rosewood in it all got to be pretty um, prohibitive for uh, particularly major manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime you cross the border, you had to have um, your paperwork together. But uh, there's there's a whole lot of red tape to get through to do so. For instance, I know uh, exporters like Fender were unable to uh, get that approval until it hit the dock to ship. And But sometimes it would take a couple weeks to get the paperwork together after it left, so they weren't able to ship things directly. Right. So they have to put things like on a boat through like the Panama Canal, is what Andy Mooney said in a recent interview on Reverb. Uh to, to ensure that it would have like four weeks to travel to get to Europe. Yikes. Just insane shipping times. Yeah. So, I mean, of course there's that, but the, the flip side that, and here's where I, I'd like to present my hot take is I think it's, I'm not convinced that it's necessarily go- good or a bad idea, uh, but here's what it kind of feels like to me is the whole like plastic straw ban. We, and you know, I mean, let's be honest. So, Plastic straws are not necessarily the number one thing that's killing our environment. However, it is one small step. And I feel like lifting the restrictions, this is like, oh, well, it's just straws. There's so many other things that are contributing to environment damage. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's the part of me in the back of my head's like, but it is question mark. And I don't know enough about the subject, but to be able to say definitively one way or the other that something that this industry is going to be what causes so much damage. Right. But I do know in the past it's contributed to to like the um the rareness of brazilian rosewood for instance well yeah we basically farmed that out of existence like it used to grow like weeds and we just kind of ruined it and like yeah maybe guitar builders aren't the number one uh, decimator of these species but i okay so i i'm going to disagree with you that it's similar to the plastic straw ban for one big reason the plastic straw ban by and large, um, puts the onus on uh, the people, the consumers, to reduce, uh, make a very small impact on what is a very large problem. So that's kind of my issue with uh, the straw ban and a lot of the things, a lot of these so-called bans or initiatives is that they put a lot of the onus on you know the, the the people who comparatively individual humans even across all like three billion of us um, contribute less to deforestation, the deforestation uh, pollution 
than just like probably the 10 or 20 biggest companies in the world. And I don't think any guitar manufacturers are among those biggest biggest companies. But right, that right. being said, um, I think that there are more good alternatives for builders um, when it comes to using Indian rosewood or not than there truly are for consumers about straws. Like paper straws suck. They really are horrible. Yeah, I can't say I'm a huge fan of paper straws, especially for things like um, like boba tea, where you've got the the tapioca pearls. Yeah, or if you're just a slow drinker of anything, like it's just gonna get soggy. It's gross. It's gross. And uh, this is coming from someone who has spent time cleaning straws out of waterways. Personally, they're disgusting. They're bad. If they, if they fall on the ground, anything that you put on the ground is gonna end up in the water. That's my PSA for today. All right. Well, anyway, so my point in, in bringing up the topic isn't necessarily to say like good, bad, um, right, wrong, or indifferent. You know, uh, I just think it's this is an important thing that I've been following for a couple of years now since they put the ban up in 2017, and it's been an interesting couple of years to see how companies have adapted to it. And I'm curious to see how this is going to go in the future. Um, yeah. In the meantime. I think it's perfectly reasonable to continue to look at alternative woods um, and just be informed. That's if there's nothing else you take away from this. Uh, my PSA is informed consumers are the best consumers. They are. I agree with that. And, you know, I think builders who are interested in sustainability at all, I don't think that they were really the ones using rosewood to begin with. Um, I think that as much as we can, we should look to more uh, local and plentiful solutions just in general. I mean, just because um, guitar manufacturers can use rosewood, I don't know if that really changes the fact that it's being deforested at such an alarming rate um, versus other types of wood. I mean, the neck I have on my tuna tone is, is walnut and I, I love it. Like the, the fingerboard is ebonized. So it still has that dark look that uh, mimics rosewood. And I also know that the materials used in that guitar aren't uh, endangered. So, and they're not real risk of being endangered at this, at this point in time. So I would implore guitar builders, even if you can still build with rosewood, um, to maybe look for other solutions. I think that this is probably the biggest win for uh, people who've had trouble with, you know, vintage instruments or anything like that. But I think, I think right, another right. thing the, well, is that banner, go ahead. That band, the, the band did make it really difficult for guitars that were already in existence. Yes. And something I do want to clarify is I, I don't mean to sound hypocritical because I do know I have an order in for a guitar that's um, used, got a rosewood fretboard on it. Uh, but so I, I know that that very well makes me sound super hypocritical. I admittedly haven't, thought through that 100% and I've got mixed feelings on it. So I just wanted to make that clear. Yeah. Um, I'm certainly not trying to come off as judgy or right. I, anything along those lines. I think one other thing to consider is, and the big thing for me is like the more local, more locally sourceable goods is I was just reading about what enormous pollution is caused by, you know, these barge, these barges and, uh, just the transporting of large amounts of 
of things from other countries uh, is is not you know the best for the environment. And when you when you use local supplies, it does cost more. Um, I know I have a lot of cheap guitars. I'd rather have two very very nice ones than a bunch of cheap ones as a player. Uh, as someone who's been you know doing demos, I like to have more variety. Um, but I, I think that supporting as local as you can for for every aspect of what you do, uh, if it's financially feasible, I, I think is what I would prefer, but, you know, to each their own, um, Indian Rosewood is the standard for fingerboards other than maple. And I understand that. And I respect that. I think it is a great wood. I have had many, I, I have had and do have many guitars that use, uh, Indian Rosewood in their fingerboards. It's fantastic. But I think that we just need to, uh, be aware of its scarcity at the present um, and hope that that scarcity doesn't continue <laughs> uh, because if we, if we continue to farm it out of existence by overproducing and over, over farming, uh, that was really repetitive. I apologize for that, but um, you know, it, it'll ensure that future generations can really enjoy the things that we have been able to enjoy. Alrighty. Well, um, and for me to cap off the conversation, I'll just end with uh, tone wood is a lie and it's not the reason why your tone sucks. <laughs> no, that's your tone sucks because you should practice more. <laughs> My tone sucks because I'm just terrible at guitar. That's what I said. You should practice more. I should, but eh. practice is fun. Why don't people think practice is fun? Yeah, but why practice when I could spend like eight hours scrolling through my feed watching other people practice, you know? To anyone who feels attacked, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to say sorry. Moving Buy forward, a book. Buy a book. Practice feeling... guitar. <laughs> Buy a book. Practice guitar. <laughs> speaking of feeling attacked, as a uh, co-host of a podcast that is uh, has a particular affinity to offset-shaped guitars, uh, I was a little shocked to see an interview with a certain Andy Mooney, who, if you don't already know, is the CEO of Fender at this current moment in time. He did an interview with Reverb.com at the beginning of the month that, for the most part, was uh, fairly informative, but there was one particular answer to a question that raised a whole lot of eyebrows, and I just wanted to take a moment and just highlight it. I've seen a lot of people get up in arms about it, and uh, I think it's... I I've got some interesting thoughts on it, and I'm sure you do too. So let's let me let me just read the the question and the response that Andy Mooney gave. And I'm going to read it in it. The whole question, the whole response verbatim instead of just pulling out chunks of the response here. Um, so let's see here. So, oh, I just had it on my screen. Here Pull we go. it up faster. I know. Boo. Boo. <laughs> Interviewer said people used to give just give jazz masters away for a song. Andy Moody's response. I think that's true. I mean, I have jazz masters and Jaguars, comma, duo sonics. I have four in a line on my wall from 1966. Side note, really jealous of that wall. Um, this is where it turns. I've never played one of them because they were not particularly good guitars when they were first introduced in my view. But like many of the things we've done since, 
if you look at the Johnny Marr rendition of the Jaguar, that's a killer guitar. We've made all of those guitars functionally better. They've always been aesthetically beautiful, but now you can actually play them. You're going to see more of that, even as we introduce the metal guitars from Japan. The thing I loved about them was that they were great to play, they had the big modern specs on it, but the pickups from old ones, not so good. So we said, okay, if we're going to make MIJ modern, they should be with great pickups. We had to do something different in the pickups so that they work for contemporary guitars, not just the nostalgists who want an exact replica of the original guitar. Woo, boy. All right, so... You definitely clipped right there. Thanks for that. You're welcome. So there's there's a there's a little bit to unpack there. And I understand why everybody has got a bit upset. I've talked to a handful of uh, fellow offset enthusiasts who are a bit riled up. And uh, I think it's worth mentioning just a combination of like the namesake of our show. But also, I think it's worth discussing the quote unquote outrage and what that means for our industry and how we should respond. Emily, would you like to kick us off? Yeah. 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 I'll kick it off. He's not wrong. <laughs> like he's not. Let's, let's be real. Like they weren't there. They were not popular guitars when they came out. They were marketed to jazz players. And there's a reason jazz players weren't interested in them. It's because there were better options for them as jazz players. I mean, I like the pickups. I don't think single coil pickups, if you're playing like soft jazz or, you know, super conducive to playing jazz, I don't think those pickups are extremely conducive to jazz. Uh, I think that the, uh, the, 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 the bridge was just over engineered. And I mean, it's probably great. It's probably a great bridge. If you're playing 12s or something that has a wow and G, but if you're not, then, then damn it, you're, <laughs> your things are, it's, it sucks. That's if those were good guitars, Mastery would not like if mastery would probably not exist because you wouldn't need to improve things on them. The rhythm circuit I personally love, like again, you can personally love anything in the world and acknowledge it as faults or is not for everybody or is maybe not even for most people. Um, I like the rhythm circuit. I think it's cool. Uh, it's weird. It's not. Um, um, it doesn't make sense. Oh, what's the word? It's not um, like like it doesn't make sense just looking at it or playing it. It's not a uh, oh god, someone's screaming a word at me right now. <laughs> it's not natural. It's not just you don't understand it naturally. It's uh, intuitive. It's not intuitive. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not. It's not intuitive at all. Um, it's quite a bit darker than just playing the other, like the actual normal neck position, because it has different pots. Like that's weird. It's so are jags. Like if you have to think that much about a guitar to play it, like if anybody has to think that much about a guitar to play it, maybe it's not an instrument for the masses. And uh, like I have had like a 62 AVRI. I really liked it except for the bridge. And I did switch out the pickups. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, it, I ended up trading away the 62 AVRI uh, reissue because I ended up playing uh, one of their modern options a hell of a lot more because I just think it's a better guitar. I don't think he's wrong. I mean, I guess I get that. Um, people will be mad at someone saying that because it's just like those vintage jazz masters are holy grail guitars for a lot of people, understandably. But I think you have to acknowledge that they have 
a lot of faults and not just small faults, but big ones that cause playability issues. That's kind of my take. Like he's not wrong, but maybe he could have massaged it a little bit better. But also I, you know, just, he's just saying what's in his heart, man. <laughs> it's his company. He can say whatever he can have, whatever opinion he wants on his guitars. You don't like them, make them better. Well, uh, well, that's a point of contention. I think a lot of people have brought up is that it seemed a bit disrespectful to the namesake of the brand that he now is a caretaker of. And I think, I think, I think it's not unfair to, to say that the way it was said might've been a little bit careless, but the flip side is I do think that was realistically, if we, if we look at corporate culture and some of these larger companies, they may be legacy companies, but they are run behind the scenes with a corporation, uh, a big business sort of attitude. And so, and part of that big business attitude is you don't always get to hear the candid truth because a lot of it's put up with a marketing front. And I get the sense that this interview was a lot more pulled back, a lot more down to earth and honest. And I, I think there's something to appreciate there Yeah. Uh, in the sense of this is a, a rare glimpse into probably a less polished look at things. I can't say I'm a huge fan of the way it was phrased. And I, I, I less I will... polished. <laughs> Sorry. Less Paul ish. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I didn't even intend that. Um, so I don't feel strongly about the state of vintage offsets as you do, um, or nor is Andy Mooney. I think, I think there's a reason why the purists love them so much, and I, I think that they're rather excellent instruments. And as far as the bridge, I think it was made for a certain play style, and they're not originally meant to take so much wear and tear. Now I, I. I haven't ever had an issue with mine. Granted, I do know that I have a classic player uh, made in Mexico, which has the shorter break angle on it, um, shorter distance between the bridge and the um, and the trim. And so it's got a higher break angle, which means it's less likely to slip because of that. Yeah, I mean, but I still then you don't. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So I know that I've got I don't have a vintage spec instrument, but everything on mine's original. I've never had an issue playing with it. Uh, because I of those pers- changes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I've played vintage, uh, I've played vintage um, units before. I think they're they're great. I think they're way ahead of their time. I don't think I actually think it's a huge plus with the rhythm circuit or the the phasing options on a Jaguar. I think that's all brilliant, and I really love the form factor of that personally. And I think it's perfectly legitimate for peers to love them as much as they do. That's my two cents on that. I mean, love what you love, but acknowledge that it's not for everybody or that it has faults. And I feel like that's a, that's, a, I'm going to get the brunt of all the rage from all the purists on this, but uh, <laughs> like, just, I mean, it, it's just, it's a little, it can be a little bit gatekeepy. Well, so here's what I, I don't inherently disagree with that. I, here's what I'd like to say uh, for Andy Mooney. I think that could have been said a little bit better. I, I don't disagree that it's a little, the way it was phrased comes off as a little disrespectful to the legacy of Leo Fender that said for everybody else who's upset with Andy about that. He's not, it's not, he was being honest. I I think what he said wasn't entirely unfair and looking at the greater scope of what he's done with the Fender brand. I think it's a little short-sighted to accuse the guy of being disrespectful to Leo Fender's past. I, and I think especially, I mean, I just, I'm sorry. I just think that to say, that you can't say a bad thing 
about a brand, even if if, if you say a bad thing or acknowledge a fault or something that wasn't very popular, that's that's crap. I'm sorry. You gotta like part of loving a brand is acknowledging what wasn't great and fixing it. And like to to say that that you can't ever say anything bad about something is that that's disrespectful. Like grow up. Well, I, I, are you going to want me to edit that out? Cause that was pretty harsh. Uh, you can leave that in. If that's your, that's your opinion. I don't necessarily agree with that. That was harsh. That was harsh. I've, <laughs> I don't necessarily don't agree with that. I, I do understand that there's a level of wanting to be careful with the marketing and the way things are phrased. I, I see a huge yeah. value in that. Um, I happen to, to be a part of a larger organization in, in my professional day job that, and I, I get to see a little bit of what that looks like from the inside and wanting to take great care in how your company images is, is held. And I, I understand that. So what I want to, I mean, for, I, I, that said, going back to what I was saying before, look, he, I think Andy Mooney's done a really good job recently and we've said so as much on the podcast recently. Uh, and I think to take this one example and say, oh, well, he's disrespectful to the legacy offender. I think that's I see where you're where people would get to that pretty quickly. But I think it's a little you're jumping the gun too quick and it feels like a knee jerk reaction. I think Fender's done yeah. some really great work in the last handful of years specifically. I think they're killing the game. And I think it's I think I think it's very different what they're doing now in terms of changing and deviating from historical spec than what CBS did. I think this is a very different instance. And I think at least the way I feel right now is I feel pretty comfortable with what Fender's doing. And I, I I'm looking forward to seeing how they continue to move forward. And I personally would, I, I see that this is a little coarse, but I don't feel particularly strongly about one way or the other. If this was a particular screw up on Andy Mooney's part. In my opinion, the only, like, I don't have, I don't take any issue with what he said, but if you, if, the one thing I will say is if you're going to talk about your own brand like that, uh, I just want to make sure that his employees and the people he hires and the other ambassadors have every same freedom to critique the brand in, in a similar way. To say this is what's good and this is what's bad. Like if you're going to take that as a CEO, um, then you, in my honest opinion, cannot uh, on anyone else for saying the same thing. Well, and I'm not sure Andy Mooney has. Um, so about yeah, whatever they thought, feel just for the purest, I think so. I'm with you in terms. I, I am very much with the purists in the sense that history is to be respected. Uh, the the history of uh, I, I, fair. I, this is my fair. opinion. I think that the okay, go ahead. this is a legacy brand we're talking about here. I think it's got a great history through the ups and the downs. I think it is worth respecting. And I personally would have, I would like to believe that I would have personally handled that question with a little bit more grace. Again, I, I don't, I know for a fact I would not have. <laughs> well, I, I probably wouldn't have said that, but I would have been honest about some other stuff. You've been clear about how you feel. Uh, I, we we get the the picture, so <laughs> I think it's okay for Fender to move forward. That's what I'm trying to say. I think it's okay for Fender to screw with some of the historical specs, and I think it's 
not just okay, but it's to be expected for them to analyze and to recalibrate as they move forward. And I think that's something that they've done a really great job over the last couple of years. And I think that's something that um, it, what it could be said, it's main competitor Gibson has done um, has not done a great job of in the Henry J era and is trying to recover from that. And I think that, as I've said several times on the show, Gibson should be taking notes on what Fender has been doing. And I stand by that. Yeah. So for sure. um, Too long. Didn't read version TLDR. Uh, Hakuna Yotata's. It's just one interview. Fender's still doing great stuff. We're all going to get past this and let's not, let's not crucify Andy Mooney just yet. All right. Sure. That's, that's my, that's my takeaway. Yeah, sometimes your TLDRs are just you, but <laughs> I think <laughs> we disagree. My TLD- my yeah, the TLDRs we disagree on some things, but we don't take too much umbrage with what he said. Just maybe how he said it. More or less. Speaking of Gibson, you like how I bridged that? Sure. All right. So on on to our final topic of the day. Um, and this one will be pretty short. It's more. This is probably the most PSA of the bunch um, of what we've talked about today. Uh, Gibson announced that it is so uh, it has sold the brand Slingerland to DW Drums. Yeah, I don't know what any of that is. <laughs> All right, so I'll, I'll I'll fill you in. So I, and let's not let everyone forget that I started off as a drummer. So I'm a drummer first, guitar player second here. So this is actually really welcome news for me. Slingerland is a, another example of a legacy brand uh, that. Uh, arguably what I would argue is one of the golden ages of uh, musical instrument creation would be like the 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, really popular brand among the jazz greats. And uh, so a great vintage style drum kit uh, that's preferred among collectors um, and jazz cats alike. I think they're really great drums. And more importantly, I think the legacy of that brand is really great and it's been interesting to see that gibson's more or less been sitting on it um for several years now uh so looking back over gibson's recent history they've um a couple years ago they discontinued cakewalk um for their own reasons Uh, i suspect there's a lot of fiscal reasons behind that they've also sold the memphis factory and now they're selling slingerland so i'm seeing a trend of gibson is selling off a whole bunch of their assets and I, whereas I'm excited for the drum world specifically and what this means, and I'm very excited to see what DW, which is a incredible brand that puts together um, some great stuff and has a great reputation for quality. And I'm really excited to see what they're going to do. But in terms of what's relevant to this podcast, I think it's really important to take a note that in the months following, um, preceding and following their Chapter 11 filing for bankruptcy, that they're continuing to offload things and i'm hoping that that's giving them the leverage that they need to kind of recoup as the legacy brand that they are and something that i've said several times in the show is i might not like some of what gibson has done um recently or farther back in the past but i'm still rooting for them as a legacy company i want to see them recover and be restored to to the glory that i think that legacy brand deserves so i just simply bring this up to saying i hope that this is a sign for a more positive future and i think this is i think this is a good move on Curly's part, who's the CEO of Gibson to kind of get back to basics and focus on the Gibson brand. Cool. That's my very long rant on that. Um, I, I, 
am curious. They said that Gibson wants Gibson wants that money. Yeah, they said they've been working on it for months. So one of the things I think I really appreciate as a takeaway here is that according to the interviews and everything that I've read so far, is that uh, they spent a considerable amount of time looking for a quality candidate to pass the brand name to. I tend to personally like DW Drums um, for their product and as an organization. I think they're a great candidate for it. Uh, whether other people agree with me, that's I, I'd love to hear everybody's thoughts on that. Uh, but I think it's important to note that they did spend a significant amount of time sorting out who they should be handing off the brand name to. And maybe that's just because they're sorting out who who's going to outbid the other the other person, depending on uh, like it, maybe Pearl had their hand in the jar, was trying to get it. I don't know. The way it's been presented to me comes off as a they want to be respectful of this brand. They understand the legacy of what Slingerland means to the drum community, and they want to do right by the rest of the world. And if that's the sort of mentality that they're starting to run with, I'd like to see more of that as it, in terms of the Gibson brand for guitars and the guitar world. And I think if they continue to bring that to the table um, in a way that's more direct than some of their other recent legal actions would have us believe, I think that would be very good for them to do. Totally. Sorry, I have nothing to contribute to this topic, but I, I'm excited that you're <laughs> so excited about it. So, so here's my, my TLDR. Basically, Gibson sold off a brand that was incredibly important. It seems like they took really good care of it in the process. And I would like to think that that attitude of taking great care of a legacy brand for the sake of the larger community is an attitude that they bring to the table when it comes to Gibson guitars. And I don't know if I can say that that attitude is present. Some of the other actions that they've taken this year um, legally and and whatnot. So I'm not, I'm not writing a blank check here, but I'd like to see more of that. So if anyone at Gibson is listening, it'd be great for us as consumers. Let's keep that in mind. Let's continue to root for Gibson to start getting their ish together. And I, I really so badly want to see a revitalization of the brand um, with the new leadership post chapter yeah. 11. I know a lot of people to whom Gibson has been very good and I would like them to mm-hmm. also be good toward the people. Big wave of Indeed. hand, so, enormous wave of arm. Got a little lightheaded as I did that. <laughs> so cheers to the future of Gibson. Cheers to the future of Fender and cheers to the future of the environment. And cheers to our listeners. Uh, please take a moment to uh, give us a nice little rating and review on uh, Yieldy iTunes. Um, thanks to uh, Steve Ralph from 60 Cycle Hum, our newest patron. We have a Patreon. I'll include a link to that in the show notes. Uh, we would love for you to support us there. You get may get to watch some demo videos and that kind of stuff before uh, everybody else. When we, when, we, when we remember, sometimes you get swag. You will get a shout out. And um, we also have merch for your holiday shopping needs. <laughs> <laughs> we have for fuzz sake hats, shirts, get offset hat shirts. We have um, knit caps fun all the fun all the fun i might get me one of those um it's cold it's it's appropriate yeah yeah so um again and as always thanks for listening thanks for understanding until next time i have been emily and i am andrew (laughs) goodbye one two three